Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... that he says over and over again that is very true is people who think they are doing things in the name of God can be very dangerous. And that is true. That is true. There's another name we have for that. We call it terrorism, right? So Saul of Tarsus was a terrorist. And so he was the appointed persecutor. But the appointed persecutor became the appointed messenger. This guy is credited after he meets Jesus with writing 13 New Testament books. How many of you would call that quite a change? When you hear the word saint, what do you think of? Some people think of a football team from New Orleans. Others think of people recognized by the church as holy people. Others think of good moral people. Did you know that in the scriptures, the word saint is simply a Christian? That's right. A saint is simply a person who has turned from their sins to God and put their trust in Jesus Christ instead of themselves. So the big question is, are you a saint in God's eyes? You can become one very easily by putting your trust in Jesus Christ. To learn more, let's join Pastor Jim in Ephesians chapter 1 as he continues his introduction to the book. So many people in our world think that God looks at what we do. Some people think, well, he looks at it and I guess he's happy with it. Other people look at it and say, well, not me. He's disappointed with it. Other people say, well, he looks at me and he just doesn't care. We wander around in our lives and we're just wondering, how good is good enough? I mean, whenever I talk to anybody who's really proud about their spiritual accomplishments, I always go, how do you know it's enough? I mean, how do you know? The apostles were martyrs. Have you died for your faith lately? (laughs) But what, what Paul does is he, he takes three chapters, and for almost all the first three chapters, he talks about what Jesus has done. And if you struggle with pride, you'll realize it really doesn't matter what you've done. And if you struggle with guilt, you'll realize it doesn't really matter what you've done. You will stand in awe of what Jesus has done. And you won't ask your question, how good is good enough? Because you will know that what Jesus has done is more than enough. And then when we know what Jesus has done for us, we live out of that. We don't live out of what we do. We live out of what Jesus has done for us and what he is going to teach us is so incredible, is something that you could never do yourself. You'll either walk out that door and say, I don't believe that Bible. Or you will say, who am I that you would love me so much and do that for me? So let's jump in and with a few basics and set our course. Verse 1 
Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Let's stop right there. You're saying, Jim, you haven't even gotten through one verse yet. Typical of a culture, of this culture, he begins with his letter. He begins his letter with his name. You know, we usually sign ours at the end. Now we have email and other texting. It gives, the, gives our name on the front end. But back in the old days, some of you young people, people used to take these things called pens and paper and write these things called letters and put an address and a stamp on it and put it in the post box. Now I know you call that snail mail or junk mail. So, so what does he do here? He addresses the envelope. This is what he's doing here. He's addressing the envelope, and, he, and, 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 he, and, he, and he's saying, you know, he's, he's, he's starting the letter, and he's going to write to these, these people in Ephesus. And so he starts with Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Now, later on, we will discuss the calling of the, the people in the church in Ephesus. We call them the Ephesians. We will talk about our calling But here, the Apostle Paul tells us about his calling. And he tells us something about his calling that is different than your and my calling. We are all called to be followers of Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, you are called to be a follower of Jesus Christ. He's calling right now. And and so his is different because his calling comes with what we call apostolic authority. In other words, he's not bragging. If you, as we go in the letter, you're going to see he's not bragging. He is in awe of this Savior. He is telling us that he is Christ's authorized and spirit-empowered witness to proclaim the word of God. Now, in, in this sense, every follower of Jesus is apostolic. We're actually going to talk about how we participate in Jesus' ministry and mission this coming Sunday. And, and so every follower of Jesus is in essence apostolic. What do I mean by that? Like the Apostle Paul, we are chosen. We will be talking about what it means to be chosen by God in the next few weeks. We are, we are called, we are sent to bring the good news to the world. So you say, I don't know what to say. And the Apostle Paul would say to you, hold on, easy. I'm going to give you almost three chapters of some of the most glorious stuff you have ever heard in your life. Your heart will be brimming. It will be overflowing. You, you, people will be like, you're like that goofy pastor at your church. You just don't shut up. You see, the Apostle Paul was very clear, if you know anything about his life, he, he met the risen Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross in your place for your sins. He was put in a tomb. He rose from the dead. Uh, he ascended into heaven. And then the Apostle Paul became an enemy of the church. We'll talk about that in a minute. And, and he was on his way to Damascus to arrest some people. And he meets the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9, if you're taking notes. What does that mean? He wasn't a volunteer. Jesus struck him down. in, In our study in Galatians, he taught us that the church didn't appoint him. He said Jesus chose him and taught him the gospel. 
Now you say, anybody can say that. Anybody could make such a claim, and he proved to us why he wasn't just anybody, and he was chosen by Jesus. So here we read, although I would say better with the Bible than to read the Bible is to hear the Bible, and I'm not necessarily saying, well, you got to have it in your car, on your, you know, on your phone or something like that. That's okay. But to listen to the Bible, we hear the Apostle Paul speaking to us, not with an informed opinion from a very gifted missionary, but as one who writes with the authority of heaven. One whose very pen, as Peter says, men moved by the Spirit wrote the Scriptures, moved by the Holy Spirit wrote the Scriptures. And so here we have this man speaking with God's authority. As we say, when the Bible speaks, God speaks. So you need a little more evidence. We'll we'll take a little bit more evidence. Prior to this meeting on the road to Damascus uh, with the risen Christ, the uh, Apostle Paul was known then as Saul of Tarsus. He was an up and rising star in Judaism. And and being, being the religious elite was everything in that culture. And interesting, his name was Saul. I, I focused, when I was away on vacation, I focused on the books of First and Second Samuel. And so I, I was looking at Saul a lot. And Saul was, he was the king that the people wanted. They didn't have a king. And then and the, and the, the people said to Samuel, we want, a, we want a king like the other nations. So they picked the tall, good-looking guy. And Saul was the, was the mighty, strong king. It's a name of pride and, and, and probably didn't bother Saul that he had the same name. And, and Saul of Tarsus hated Christians. He hated churches. You could say this, that the apostle Paul, who when he was Saul of Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus was the appointed persecutor. I spent a a pretty good amount of time on my vacation listening to a a guy who, if your faith is not strong, I would not recommend you listening to. Um, uh, His name is Sam Harris. And Sam Harris is a a neuroscientist who's an atheist debater. So I I always like to hear the arguments of the... uh, of the opposition, if you will, or the other side. I wouldn't consider it opposition. Uh, I think debating is kind of silly. I think we should be geared more towards discussions than debating in this culture in which we live in. And, um, and Sam Harris, he needs to understand Christianity better. You should always understand your opponent's position better. But one of the things that he says over and over again that is very true is people who think they are doing things in the name of God can be very dangerous. And that is true. That is true. There's another name we have for that. We call it terrorism, right? So Saul of Tarsus was a terrorist. And so he was the appointed persecutor. But the appointed persecutor became the appointed messenger. And this guy is credited after he meets Jesus with writing 13 New Testament books. How many of you would call that quite a change? You know, it's funny, Saul, strong, proud, 
the king that fell apart at the seams. You know, you know what the name, um, you know what the name Paul means. The name Paul means small. It means humble. And this dude changed the world. Even if you go to the most secular university and you were to say to him, throughout history, most influential person in Christianity, most of them would not say Jesus. They would say that fellow they called Paul because he took the story of Jesus to the Roman Empire and those people took it to the world. This serves as a great reminder to all of us that the Lord Jesus Christ can change any life. Any life. Any friend you have. Any family member you have. Any coworker that makes fun of you for being a Christian. And he can change your life too. And for the Apostle Paul and for all of us, that is God's will. He said, I was called by the will of God. Something we're going to encounter several times in this letter. Now, this is important that we understand this. God's will often includes difficulty. Did we hear that? Elbow your neighbor, wake them up and say, did you hear that? God's will often includes difficulty. Three times in this letter, the Apostle Paul is going to mention prison. Anybody have an idea where he might be writing from? Prison. The old joke about him is God had to keep putting him in prison so he'd stop going around so much and spend a little time writing. Guy was crazy. Most likely, he was in Rome in the early 60s, not the 1960s, the early 60s, around 61, 62 A.D., 30 years after Jesus Christ rose from the dead and the Apostle Paul met him. What does that show us about this man? And all along the way, what's happening? He's getting arrested, he's getting beaten up, he's getting shipwrecked, he's, he's, he's everywhere he goes, you know, like I always say, uh, he preached, and there was a riot. I preach, and we go have bagels. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I got to get it together, man. <laughs> it shows us that 30 years later, while most people, I know you guys who are new to this thing, though, go, oh, it'll be easier the longer I'm a Christian. No. But for him, while most people would have been fading in their faith he is still going strong, and he's doing it how? In the power of the Holy Spirit, not in his own power. Now, while it's important to note that he lives under the power of the Holy Spirit, he also writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which means we must pay careful attention as God speaks to us through Paul by this letter through the Holy Spirit. And I think it's fair to say, and I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. If it makes you feel guilty, I'd rather see you do soul searching instead of feeling guilty about this. But I think it's fair to say that if we love God, then we must love to hear from him. Is that a fair statement? 
And we do hear from him and will hear from him in the book of Ephesians. So who's he writing to? Let, let, let's try to get through the rest of verse 1. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to, our the, saint, to the saints who are in Ephesus. We're going to see in a minute there's not a lot of saints in Ephesus. Uh, it, it, what, what, what is he writing to? It's the area of western Turkey. And faithful in, if you have your own Bible, circle that little word in, huge word, and the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, some of you are already thinking, Pastor Jim, you said this book was for me, and I ain't no saint. Well, you know, that, <laughs> um, in the Bible, that's what Christians are called. They're called saints. If you don't believe me, read the book of 1 Corinthians, and then all it is is problems after that. Hey, the saints in Corinth. Problem, chapter one, problem, 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 problem. That's what, that's what, to be a saint is to be the people of God that are set apart by God, not by what you do. God is the one who sets the people apart. In the Bible, saints are not the spiritual elite. That was later on people changed that. That's not the way it originally was. They are simply the people who are united to God through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So we are made saints by God. Saints are simply the people of God, his special people that are made holy by God, that are set apart by God. And in God's eyes, despite our failures, it doesn't mean it's okay to willfully sin, but in God's eyes, when we are in Christ, he sees us as positionally holy. So empowered by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, we live out our position. What we call personally holiness is simply living out in practice what we already are in God's eyes in position. Ultimately, we are saints. We are faithful in God's eyes because of the work of Jesus. Now, some people say, man, it's sounding like we can do whatever we want. You just misunderstood everything I said. And so you'll have to keep coming back. Seriously. Until the Spirit of God burns it into your soul. We are the set-apart people of God. And that will be seen in our response of faith and trust, not only initially in Jesus, but in how we live the Christian life. Now, being faithful can also pertain to their personal consecration and devotion to God. It could include having faith and being trustworthy. Certainly those are things that we should aspire to. And that expression, in Christ Jesus or in Christ, is one of the Apostle Paul's favorite expressions. And if you will, what it does is it both sums up and pulls together the Christian life. And it is a key to understanding this letter he writes to the church in Ephesus. To be in Christ Jesus means to be united to Jesus Christ. In Galatians, we talked at length about, and you can listen to all those studies on, on the internet, um, we talked about being in union with Christ. But also, as we'll, we'll see, it's also being united to the people of God. 
It's being united to the church, not the building. It's being united to God and to his people, united in one in Christ. Romans 8.17 says that followers of Jesus are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Uh, Another version says we are fellow heirs. What is an heir? Someone who's going to inherit something. So if we're joint heirs, if, if, if you and I were brother and sister and, and our parents died and we were joint heirs, we would expect, would you expect to get a dollar and then to get five billion? No. Another version says we are fellow heirs. Another version says co-heirs. That, that speaks of the, of the great privileges we have as followers of Jesus, of, as adopted children of God. It speaks of the huge inheritance that is coming our way. Being in Christ, and, and just for those of you who are not Christians or, or nudists, remember if you're with us in Matthew, we learned that you enter the kingdom of God where? On earth. You don't enter it in heaven. The entryway is here. You put your trust in Christ here, and that's how you enter the kingdom of God Being in Christ brings you into his grace, into his righteousness, which is far beyond just the forgiveness of sins. You know, when I I talk to people and they say, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, my sins have been forgiven. I'm like, that's it? That that is not the riches of Christ. That is the get-out-of-jail-free card. You see, Paul wants us to see and this is, I think it's fair to say, it's really the heart of Christianity that Jesus Christ is our King who brings us to God and brings God to us. We can only stand before God because of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm going to skip verse 2 for a second and, and look with me down at verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. That's a lot, isn't it? In the heavenly places in Christ. In other words, because a follower of Jesus is in Christ Jesus, which needs to serve as the basis for our identity. A lot of people struggle in their Christian life because their identity is not in Christ. If your identity is in your work, what do you do when business is bad? What do you do when you get laid off? If your identity is in anything and it goes sour, what happens to you? Let me guarantee this. Jesus Christ will not go sour on you. He's not going to fall apart. Even when our world is falling apart, he is not going to fall apart. So our identity okay, is to be in Jesus Christ. We are to remember, he says here, that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. We just talked about being joint heirs. Dare I be so bold to say, Christian, that you already have what Jesus has. We've talked about it many times before. I talked about it at Bridgefest. Already, but not yet. Our names are already there. So if if you know if if Warren Buffett 
was your, was your father or your grandfather and you were the sole heir. You might be penniless now, but what's going to happen when someone dies? You're going to get it all. And here's the thing. Jesus already died so we could get it all. When are we going to get it all? We have it all, but we just don't all have it all yet. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There, you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow, verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through God's Word. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love. Changed by Love.